You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hey, everyone. Uh, Corey and Nat here, and we are opening the show a little different today. Typically, we do listener mail at the end of our full-length episodes, but we got a really, really special one, and we wanted to read it at the top of the show for you. It goes as follows. Hello, my name is Brandon, and I'm currently deployed as a member of the Army National Guard. That being said, my wife, Jessica, is a huge fan of your show. Her and I met in high school, took art together, and were both art majors in college. She graduated and I dropped out. Without sounding too sappy, I love her immensely and miss taking our pottery classes together, seeing all her art projects while I'm home, and her birthday is March 4th. If any way possible, you could give her a birthday shout out on your show. I know it's a lot to ask, but she would love it. Thank you for your time, Brandon. Oh, it's so sweet. Happy birthday. Seriously. Happy, happy birthday, Jessica. And your husband is very sweet. And you guys have a very sweet art story that (laughs) I love. An art love story. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for listening, Jessica. And thanks for writing in, Brandon. We appreciate you and have the best birthday. Yeah, seriously. Thanks for both of you. Or thanks to both of you. (laughs) And for both of you. (laughs) Four and two and all all the words. And all. (laughs) Also, before we jump into this baby episode we have for you on the Bayou Tapestry, we have an event coming up. You want to give them the deets, Natalie? Yeah. So on March 19th, which is a Thursday, we will be participating at St. Mary's College of California's third Thursday. I guess the art museum's third Thursday. So in its event that I'm guessing they do monthly. And this one is going to be celebrating their upcoming exhibition, Feminizing Permanence. And we're going to be doing a programming, a live podcast from the event. And we're excited. Yeah, so we're going to be there on March 19th, and we will be podcasting at 6 p.m. 6 p.m. Yeah, and we'd love to see you there. It'll be like open to questions and everything, and we just want to hang out with y'all, so come see us. Yeah, please do, and it's a beautiful campus. If you're already in the Bay Area, pop over, say hi, see some art, drink some wine, Enjoy yourself. All good things. All good things. All right. Well, now for the main attraction. Should we pass it off to ourselves? (laughs) Yeah. I'm going (laughs) to pass it off to our past selves. We've got a baby episode on the Bayou Tapestry for you. Enjoy. Enjoy it. We are history babes. Art history babe briefs. Down by the bayou. Down by the bayou. That's what you <laughs> name it. Down by the bayou. Tapestry. Tapestry. <laughs> uh, is that a song? Right. Or is it just like a expression? I don't know. I don't know. The bayou. I mean, the bayou is a thing. It's a down by 
Down by the Bay is a song by Oh, you're you. talking about Sitting by the Dock on the Bay? Sitting by the Dock on a Creedence Clearwater Revival Born on the Bayou mm-hmm. is a song. That'll be our introduction um, to this episode. The I'm gonna are... hold on, I'm gonna play it real quick. Play. Oh, of course there's an ad. Uh, some kid in a spelling bee. That's bad. What are they selling you, children that are good at spelling? Uh, TurboTax. I don't know. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This song's a jam. Born on the Bayou. Yeah, that song's a jam for sure. All right. CCR is the vibe for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by uh, CCR. All right. I mean, like, I feel like we've already started the episode. Hey, everyone. Corey here. <laughs> Hi, Natalie here as well. Well, kind of in a different city, in a different state, but here via technology. Yeah, because the internet is a crazy thing. And we're doing a baby episode on the Bayou Tapestry. Bayou Bayou Tapestry. (laughs) Yeah, you say it like the French and I will say it like southerners by you by you by by you tapestry 11th century textiles baby that's what we got going on today that's what we've got in store for you woo 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 all right let's do it let's do it what is the Bayou Tapestry? It is a very large textile work and a very important historical artifact. In fact, some consider it to be the most important historical artifact from medieval Europe. I don't really know how that is determined, but some <laughs> fancy British guy said that. So I was like, okay. Who made him the boss? Right. True that. But it's an important historical artifact in medieval Europe. The tapestry currently housed at the Musée de la Tapisserie de Bayeux in Bayeux, France. Uh, that was that was kind of rough. I haven't been practicing my French at all. Like, I've been full-blown Spanish, so... You've got the throaty thing down enough, though, that you can fake your way through it really yeah. well. Yeah, I really... I thought that was money. I really emphasize the throaty thing to, like, really... Like, I kind of make it a caricature of French, so it kind of mm-hmm. sounds like what I, I know what I'm doing. But, you know, so Bayeux is in France. Um, and let's see, the tapestry is 20 inches high and 70 meters long. So that's 230 feet long. Very large. A very large piece of art. Mm-hmm. And, fun fact, it's not technically a tapestry betrayal (laughs) size from natalie the definition of tapestry if you didn't know according to wikipedia tapestry is a form of textile art traditionally woven by hand on a loom tapestry is weft-faced weaving in which all the warp threads are hidden in the completed work unlike cloth weaving where both the warp and the weft threads may be visible in tapestry weaving weft yarns are typically discontinuous the artisan interlaces each colored weft back and forth in its own small pattern area it is a plain weft-faced weave having weft threads of different colors worked over portions of the warp to form the design 
And yes, I had to look up the word weft, (laughs) which in weaving is the crosswise threads on a loom over and under, which other threads, the warp, are passed to make cloth. So my understanding of all that is that a tapestry includes the weaving in of the colored thread into the actual cloth as opposed to embroidering on top of the cloth. And what we have with the Bayou Tapestry is more of an embroidery, right? They embroidered the image onto the cloth. They didn't incorporate it as part of the cloth. I'm just so glad that I didn't have to say weft face weaving because (laughs) (laughs) I was reading that section the same way earlier and I literally stopped and was like, thank God this is not mine because it's so hard to say all of those W words. I feel like my speech impediment from my childhood would have come just like flying back. That's, I mean, that's a good little tongue twister, like practice. (laughs) Yeah. Just like, feel like that's something like I'd, I'd make my kids that I teach English to do. Like sometimes they have to read basically like tongue twisters to try and get the sounds down. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be like, weft-faced weaving and see how that goes. Yeah, just yell it at them just like that. <laughs> All right. The Bayou Tapestry depicts the events leading up to the Battle of Hastings in 1066, as well as the battle itself. The battle was fought between the Norman French army of William, Duke of Normandy, and the English army under Anglo-Saxon King Harold Godwinson. To get you up to speed a little here, the Normans were descendants of Norse Vikings that settled in the northern coastal region of France known as Normandy. In more recent centuries, Normandy has been a hot spot for several artists, including J.M.W. Turner, Gustave Courbet, and Camille Pissarro, to name a few. Also, Monet's famous home and gardens in Giverny, that's in Normandy, too. So I imagine it is a very lovely spot. Yeah. I mean, it's coastal. It just seems nice. I'd like to check out Normandy. Yeah. I mean, some f- happened there during World War... Oh, sorry. Some bad things happened there during World War II, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, bad things happen a lot of places during World War II. No, I know, but I just... I feel like that's one that battles were fought. That sticks out. Battles were fought. All right. The tapestry slash embroidery is a super mega continuous narrative representing William's conquest of England. In addition to images central to the story of conquest, there are many images that don't fit strictly into the narrative structure of the story, such as scenes from Aesop's fables and images of just regular people hunting and farming and living their everyday lives. I imagine the fables were incorporated just to add like some influence of mythology in order to make the entire event more fantastical and the pictures of everyday scenes at least in my opinion since they were meant to represent the everyday lives of people during this grand conquest it makes it it makes sure all your bases are covered Mm -hmm. it creates something that represents multiple aspects of the culture at the time this is just me kind of you know throwing out my two cents but yeah well and that makes sense though like in a way to keep people entertained to a certain degree enough to like pay attention and remember which is what mythology is real good for exactly exactly 
The tapestry was likely made in Canterbury around 1070 and likely commissioned by Odo, Bishop of Bayeux, who is the half-bro of William of Normandy and who is also all over the tapestry. Depictions of Odo, as well as the inscription Odo Episcopus, show up several times because if a giant work of art doesn't glorify a powerful white man, why even do it? Why would you even make it? Uh, the work was produced by Anglo-Saxon embroiders, and apparently Anglo-Saxon embroidery was a big deal throughout Europe at this time. It was like kind of the best of the best. Mm. The tapestry hung in the Bayou Cathedral for seven centuries. That's so long. It's such a long time. Like, just, I mean, I contemplate the absurdity of time quite often, but like seven centuries, like, that's a really long time for anything to be in one spot. Yeah, for real. (laughs) We should, now I just want to like create my own work called After the Bayou Tapestry. And it's just like a tapestry from Urban Outfitters that you would see in like a college dorm. And (laughs) I want it to be hung in an institution for eight centuries. (laughs) Oh, yes, I like it. It's an installation that needs to be kept for eight centuries. And I like where your head's at. That's a great idea. Mm -hmm. I'm into it. Yeah. We should make that a reality. I say we go to Urban Outfitters the next time we're together and (laughs) make make art. (laughs) Yes. Let's do it. (laughs) Or maybe a lovely listener will just donate theirs. (laughs) Right. All right. So after the revolution in 1794, the Bayou District Arts Commission seized it to ensure protection of the cultural artifact. Apparently, in 1792, when things were rather tumultuous, the tapestry was almost cut up to make covers for soldiers' carts, but was saved by a gentleman named Leonard Lambert... (laughs) One more time. (laughs) Leonard Lambert Leffersteyer. No. Le Forestier. There we go. Something like here. Lambert Le Forestier. There we go. A local lawyer. Thanks, Leo. So many L's. <laughs> so true. <laughs> Just like I'm imagining his door. Leonard Lambert Le blah, blah, blah. The local lawyer. <laughs> right? Local lawyer. Leonard Lambert Le Forestier. That's like, that's a lot. <laughs> More than I can say. Should we take quick break for the ads my mouth needs a break after leonard ah leonard okay we are back talking about the bayou tapestry uh let's look at some of the details there's so much to look at here i mean it is 230 feet long so you could look at this object for a very long time Many of the scenes on the tapestry are believed to have been adapted from images and manuscripts illuminated at Canterbury, which makes sense because stylistically the images have like a very illuminated manuscript type feel. And I also think even with the color, like the colors, there's a lot of Mm -hmm. like gold tones. So that feels very illuminated. Manuscript-y. For sure. That's the official adjective, illuminated manuscripty. <laughs> As I kind of mentioned, I think, you know, the tapestry is such a cherished artifact because it really is a pretty solid depiction of what life was like. Also, this is probably a great object to study for anyone 
interested in military history because obviously the focus is this big battle and there's a lot of details about the events leading up to the battle, how the battle was fought, all of that, mm-hmm. including there's lots of horsies on this bad boy. Mm-hmm. Do we have an official headcount? I don't know. Let, I'm going to Google. I'm going to look okay. it up while you talk. Okay, you look it up. You look up the horsey count and see if we can find it. Because there's a lot of horses. And they're really fun, too. The way they, like, play with color on the horses, I think, is it's just a fun time. Yeah. In general, I really love the color palette they use anyways. Because it's, it's kind of a color palette I'm partial to. The, like, mustard and then the red and the blue... I just I just love that whole vibe. Yeah, I have to wonder though like how much of the yellow is natural kind of like color change over time and how much of yeah. it is the original intention. Ye- yellow and gold were popular during medieval, so I'm sure there was a good amount, but No, I totally feel you. I was actually thinking that exact same thing. I mean, I think maybe more so in terms of the actual embroidery. I think a lot of that Mm -hmm. goldish mustard hue was was probably intentional. But the actual, like, cloth itself, I think, has probably yellowed over time. Which I think is kind of cool. I think it makes for just like a, an interesting color relationship it's almost like sepia toned sepia toned yeah totally totally and like everyone knows sepia tone is the ultimate vintage man that's how you like. this is how you really know it's the ultimate vintage is like it goes way back it's like sepia tone and like 70s colors is the bayou yeah. tapestry yeah. aesthetic <laughs> And I love that aesthetic. I'm very into that aesthetic. <laughs> Wrap me in the Bayou Tapestry. Oh my God! Someone should do like a like a high fashion line, like Ooh, inspired. That's begging to be a train, right? That could be or really sleeves. fun. Oh, that could be cool. Just more more ideas, more creative ideas, more creative projects. We don't have any time to fulfill, but and I also don't know the first thing about fashion design. But if any of you out there do. You know, maybe that's a good idea. (laughs) Someone needs to pick us up and run with it who is more experienced than we are in this department. Yeah, totally. All right. So not going to lie. I personally am not crazy about military history. It's honestly one of the few subjects where I tend to kind of just like nod off and like it's really hard to keep my attention with military history. Well, I can try really quickly with how many horses are in this. Oh, how many horses are there? I do want to know that. (laughs) The military history that you're here for. Yeah. Uh, 190. 190 horses on that bad boy? That's insane. Yep. Wow. 35 dogs. Really? <laughs> and 506 other birds and animals. That's amazing. I'm I'm definitely here for for the animal life of the Bayou Tapestry. <laughs> yeah. The other animals though, those are referencing more like the ones in the upper and lower registers, right? Not probably in the scenes. The animal husbandry and whatnot and things like that. Husbandry. Drop that vocab. I know. It's a weird word. I'm not a big fan. But but yeah, so I kind of struggle with military history, which is interestingly why like in high school and stuff, I had a hard time with regular history classes. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I did fine, but like it was just really hard to get me to focus and I would kind of 
because so much of regular history classes were just focused on like battles and wars and I just wanted to talk about culture and then like I discovered like art history and I was like oh like this is this is how history makes sense to me like (laughs) thinking about in terms of art and culture and and those Mm -hmm. kind of aspects make a lot more sense to me personally than military history that being said like I said this is a great artifact if military history is your thing but while I was researching this work I got really stoked about this detail which is Haley's Comet there is an image of Haley's Comet embroidered in the Bayou Tapestry because it arrived during the Norman Conquest and it was thought to be a bad omen for English King Harold and spoiler alert it was because he died dead Harold dead Harold I just like I think that it's so interesting that that little image made it into this crazy old tapestry because I mean Haley Haley's comment is arguably the most well-known comment in history you know like mm-hmm. it comes back so consistently and there's so much history and culture attached to it I've always been really into cults and so like the Heaven's Gate cult and like Haley's Comet is something I've been interested in literally since it happened even though I was like eight years old and like the idea that this event the celestial event it has been captured like so far back in history and that it aligned with these like really intense events that's just I don't know that's kind of beautiful to me man oh yeah well and I love that like people in the medieval times still had an appreciation for astrology and the cosmos and Mm -hmm. how that affects their daily lives. And it was like a commonly accepted belief. Yeah, totally. Totally. So yeah, I'm pretty in love with that little detail. That detail would make a dope tattoo. Yeah, it is. That would be sick. More ideas. It is one of the cooler parts of, I mean, because it almost looks like a rocket ship. Yeah, yeah, it does. It's super cool. Like, you would have to tell people it's Haley's Comet. <laughs> they wouldn't be like, that's Haley's Comet. Yeah. So that'd be a great conversation starter. And it being a rocket ship is really super weird, too, because, like, obviously rocket ships didn't exist back then. Wow. <laughs> so it's, like, very futuristic set against this medieval image, you know? I don't know. That's my favorite part. That and all the horses yeah those are great parts to choose i'm with you (laughs) i like all the animals they're good time they're good time and then another really fun detail really fun uh, is is the detail of harold with an arrow in his eye which is at least a traditional interpretation of the scene but there is a scene of a, a a man with an arrow stuck in his eye a lot of historians have uh determined that it was king harold you know getting killed basically getting got yeah he got got but some historians have recently challenged this assessment and they're like it's not king harold and as we know historians really like to argue dude (laughs) that's just like what they like to do so (laughs) yeah it's so true that like everything gets challenged at some point Mm -hmm. it's like apparently as a group us art historians run out of things to (laughs) decide so people just (laughs) go back and challenge things yeah what about this is warranted sometimes i'm like why the are we talking about this (laughs) 
Oh man. But it is a it is a cool image though. Like it, it oh, is sure. it is an interesting image, you know. It is it's kind of cartoonish, you know, this like mm-hmm. this embroidered image of a, a soldier with an arrow sticking out of his eye, but it is a cool little detail for sure. It's so easy to forget that this is all embroidery too when you're looking at it. Yeah, yeah. Especially I mean through a screen. But like just a moment for that everyone take a moment especially some of the like color gradations things that go on like yeah mm. and I mean it's I think it's it's a great artifact to bring up when you get in the inevitable arguments about like whether or not textile work is art and things like that it's like people are doing the exact same things that painters are doing only with thread like that's definitely art no doubt about it you know yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous that we you have to keep saying it, but it is for know, sure man. art. No, but we do, and I'm I glad know. that you do say it so much because apparently we gotta. <laughs> yeah, apparently, apparently we gotta. We just gotta remind the people. The end of this textile is now missing, and it's believed to have depicted the coronation of King William. Salva artists have attempted to create the missing scene, so to basically finish the Bayou Tapestry. And additionally, several replicas have been made, including a collaboration between William Morris and Elizabeth Wardle in the Leak School of Art Embroidery. Very cool. Going to post a picture of that. Approximately 37 seamstresses worked from a full-scale water-created replica of the tapestry finished in 1886, now hung in the Reading Museum in Berkshire, England. Yeah, so there's been quite a few replicas of the tapestry. Another one, there is a half-scale mosaic replica made up of 1.5 million pieces of spring steel. Yeah, right. And like, I love textile art. I love textile work. But I am such a sucker for a mosaic. Like mosaics have always just been really interesting to me just the assembling of tiny little pieces to create imagery i think is really cool and i feel like taking this like steel approach to this tapestry is really interesting the work was created by michael linton over a period of 20 years from 1979 to 1999 and included an imagined reconstruction of that final missing coronation scene So real quick, the Bayou Tapestry in its original context can be viewed as both a historical document as well as a tool for propaganda. I mean, it's political. It has a distinct point of view and message. But interestingly, this tapestry has also been used for propagandistic purposes throughout the years, specifically in the early 1800s. The tapestry was displayed at the Louvre, Napoleon Bonaparte likely using it as a tool of propaganda right before he invaded England. Damn. (laughs) So, I know. I mean, that's like some... That's some real shade he was throwing right yeah. there. <laughs> Just think about it, man. Foreshadowing <laughs> in like a really creepy and ominous way. Yeah, like <laughs> part of me kind of respects it just because I'm like, wow, that was like a like move. savage. <laughs> yeah, it's so savage, so savage. Yeah, I'll, I'll give that to him, but. I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying like <laughs> I'm <laughs> not like yeah, Napoleon. Napoleon. No. <laughs> this is gonna become yeah, a Napoleon Bonaparte fangirl podcast from here on out. 
<laughs> definitely not the stance I'm taking. I'm just saying it is interesting. And I think it's always interesting to look at historical art and artifacts and how they can be used for propaganda because mm-hmm. it happens all the time. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's such an interesting thing to be in a position of power and then take this this artifact, this beloved image, this like this scene of an occurrence in history and and use it for your own purposes is just it's a very fascinating thing. And we still need to do an episode on propaganda art. That like needs to happen. I feel like we have, but I believe you that we haven't. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't. I mean it's a, I think it's a topic just, that comes yeah, up. Yeah, I was gonna say we've talked about it, I think just in our lives around the podcast enough and in classes, but yeah, we could easily do so much. Yeah, a longy on that one. A, a long guy. But I think that's what we got for the Baye Tapestry. Mm-hmm. Go throw on some CCR <laughs> and uh, look at it yourself. Look at some images. There's so much out there. It's like, so long, you guys. You can- <laughs> Yeah, it's so long. It's really long. I think there are like YouTube videos that are like the entire Mayu tapestry. And it just so. like rolls through. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, check it out. Check it out. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being you and for uh, hanging out with us. And we'll see you for, yeah, I don't know how to end this, man. I'm- <laughs> <laughs> See you later, guys. (laughs) Uh. We are history babes. I was like seriously frantic, and it didn't happen. I wasn't fast enough, and I'm upset. Oh yeah, sometimes you just gotta let it out, you know. I felt that vibration through my headphones. Oh, right i did i ever show you that meme that was like about cows and it was like i wonder what it feels like to moo i bet oh, it feels so, so good to moo like that's how i feel whenever i do those weird sounds like i think it's like a it's your moo like a it's a moo it's like you're mooing you're just kind of getting some of that energy out <laughs> word it's just it, i always just feel just a little like a little release, you know what I mean? And I I don't know for a fact, but I imagine cows feel some type of comfort from mooing. Yeah, I think you're probably right. If you liked today's episode on the Bayou Tapestry, you may be interested in learning more about how other armed conflicts have influenced art history. I invite you to check out a recent article on artandobject.com that explores the history behind the legendary Trojan War. The article, which is titled Uncovering the History Behind the Myth of Troy, gives you great insight into 3,000 years of art and archaeology dealing with the legendary conflict. Visit artandobject.com today to read the article and to discover other exciting stories from the art world. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.